Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
satellites in the skies broadcasting lies to billions of people. Camels on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. Are getting paid. 
Everybody's doing it uh, on their own dime. But the least we can do is tell the folks thanks. So we'd like to make sure that you guys uh, call in and tell your local crews thanks. I, I want to thank uh, a couple of guys this week uh, from the College Station crew. That's Joe Chambers and Steve Raby. Joe Chambers and Steve Raby uh, took, me, took me literally when I said, uh, you know, grab a, a range and make it your home range, and uh, they've been doing that. Now, that they every event that goes on at uh, College Station <clears throat> is run by them, by uh, Joe Chambers and Steve Raby. That doesn't mean that they won't do events uh, anywhere else in the state or in the nation, for that matter, because they have. Uh, they've done quite a few of them. But they grabbed a location close to them, and uh, they made it their home range, and they've been doing all of the events there. Every time I talk to somebody who's been to an event that, that Joe Chambers and Steve Raby ran, are very, very happy with the instruction that they received with these stories of the American heritage. and uh, And I can tell you, from working with Joe Chambers and Steve Raby. These are two of the finest instructors that we have here in Texas. And uh, and that's Steve Raby. He's a damn fine man and a good-looking one, too. And he's single, ladies. So <clears throat> I want to thank these guys for uh, for their devotion to making sure that the events at uh, Cawthorn Cartridge Club in uh Colorization are covered, and that the instruction is uh, top-notch. So thank you, Joe Chambers. Thank you, Steve Raby. Now it's you guys' turn. All right, you call in at uh, 347-308-8790 and, uh, and tell your local guys uh, and ladies the... Uh, Tell them thanks for the job that they're doing because, like I said, nobody's getting paid for this. And uh, and it never hurts to tell the folks thanks. It never hurts for them to hear you say how much you appreciate what they're doing. Now, if you want to talk about uh, uh, a commercial venture, that's something that you're doing that, uh, that is of a commercial nature, then you're welcome to call in and talk about that, too. Well, welcome to... Support our Appleseed brothers and sisters, and no, we're not charging for the, anything for this blog talk. Yeah, <clears throat> we just want uh, we want our fellow Appleseeders to have a place that uh, that they can announce it if they if they have some commercial venture. And listen, guys, if you hear about uh, one of the guys announcing something on here, if you need that service, then uh, then wouldn't it be better? to get it by supporting and uplifting a uh, Appleseed brother or sister and using their services? Well, the answer is yes, it would be. All right, so please be sure and and use them when you can. And I want to give thanks to uh, uh, Paul and the guys from Poker Face. Uh, the intro music that you hear, Control, that's uh, from Poker Face. If you want to hear more of their music, then uh, you can go to PokerFace.com and you can listen to some more revolutionary rock. Uh, these guys are great guys. They're uh, patriots, and 
and their their music is at uh, PokerFace.com. You can go there and you can uh, sample the music. You can purchase the music. You can also, uh, if you need, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this right off of uh, Sam's post here. He says, need to scrub off. Uh, need to scrub off the range crust. Blue Feather Soap is the way to go. This is not foo-foo soap, folks. This is a real crud-cutting deal, and it smells great, too. Well, how, what do you know about that? Cut to the crud, and it smells great. You can get that by going to uh, bluefeather.bizhosting.com. And uh, that's our own Charles Glock and Blue Feather, uh, who, besides doing everything else they do, I'm not sure what all that they do. I know they've got a bunch of degrees and everything else. I'm not sure that they're not also building atomic clocks on the side there, but uh, they're also making handmade soap, and it's really fantastic stuff. I never thought I was going to be uh, somebody to plug uh, handmade soap, but I, but I am because it's worth it, all right? Believe me, if I can use handmade soap, you can certainly use it. I believe they also make uh, uh, shaving soap, that you can shave with and moisturize your face. I told you guys before, when I've used this soap, uh, and I've still got like one-fourth of a bar left, I use this soap especially before I'm getting ready to work on uh, uh, do maintenance on the vehicle and stuff. But I use the soap, clean my hands up, and then uh, they don't get cracked open. Because when they get cracked open, I get the grease and the, the diesel and oil and stuff in the cracks. It's pretty much permanent, you know, until I wear that layer of skin off. So... Making sure that my hands are in good shape uh, really helps me. <clears throat> uh, we've got uh, Jimmy with Desert Eagle Farms, and Jimmy will uh, he will be glad to provide you with long-term storable food. He's also a uh, uh, he's also got a new product in which is a Mill Dot Master. And that is a, a, a very nice, uh, very small, pocket-sized, inexpensive slide rule-type device for uh, for gauging distance. And it works really good. I'm not the only one that's used it. I've used it and tried it out, and it works very good. Uh, JB, most of you guys know JB. Uh, he's been using it a lot lately, and he said he's very, very happy with it. Uh, that the way that you can... You can use it to gauge distance, <clears throat> and it also has uh, the ability to help you make shots up and downhill, all right? It's a, a small slide rule type card, but it's uh, perforated in uh, one of the corners, which will allow you to tie a string to it and then uh, and then gauge the slope of the hill that you're on by moving the card to uh, uh, to copy the slope and then getting the data that way. So it's a great device. Uh, <clears throat> also, uh, let's see. Well, there's some more folks. <clears throat> uh, but if anybody else wants to, uh, anybody else wants to uh, send in information about this, we'll be glad to put it out for you, Okay. And no, we're not charging anybody anything for this, so I don't want to get uh, I want to start getting the bill from Blog Talk on it. Uh, I also have some information about Battle Road USA. Uh, Battle Road USA uh, has uh, a handgun course, 
and the course actually is starting tomorrow. There's a uh, uh, a pistol craft course, and then uh, will be comparable to like a level two handgun course, which is a fighting handgun course. That will be Friday and Saturday. That's tomorrow and Saturday. And then there's a fighting shotgun course. I believe we have one, maybe two slots left. Uh, if anybody wants to sign up, you can go to battleroadusa.com. And if you'd like to, and that'll give the information for the event. If you'd like to sign up, you can sign up right there. We we got an account with uh, Eventbrite, and uh, you can sign up right there. Uh, let me tell you about the upcoming events too that we're having uh, for Battle Road. <clears throat> On February 23rd, Battle Road will be running the uh, End of the World as We Know It Zombie Destruction Course. That'll be. Uh, uh, it's not going to be that big. It'll be about a three-mile loop. And on the three-mile loop, you'll hit uh, six to seven shooting positions, probably uh, uh, four pistol and uh, two rifle and maybe a shotgun thrown in there. <clears throat> and uh, in between the shooting courses, you'll be hitting obstacles. And it's nothing big, all right? Nobody get excited about this. This isn't like the Tough Mudders or the Marine Corps uh, obstacle courses or anything like that. But they will be obstacles that are going to get your cardio going. So that when you hit the station, uh, you'll have a little bit of added uh, added stuff to take care of when you get there. And you'll be uh, making your shots at zombies. All right? <clears throat> this is February 23rd. It'll be at Battle Road USA. It's not on the calendar there yet. But it'll get on the calendar within the next week. I'm just letting you know February 23rd will be the date. Uh, Three-mile looping course with uh, six to seven shooting stations and seven obstacles. <clears throat> All right, then in March, uh, there'll be a five-day sniper scout course. And uh, this will be, uh, the five days will be running probably in a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday pattern on, uh, I believe it's the weekend of the 16th or 17th in March 2013. <clears throat> and this is a five-day course. And it will be put on by one of our own guys. And uh, that is Bolt Gun 71. And uh, Bolt Gun is uh, he's a fantastic instructor. He's been instructing for the military for several years now. And uh, he was a, a scout and designated sniper in Iraq and then returned to Afghanistan with a different unit and was on the sniper team there. And... Uh, and he doesn't just talk the talk, he walks the walk. This is going to be a course uh, that's uh, unlike probably any that any of, any of you have taken. This is going to be kind of modeled after the United States Army Unknown Distance Course. But there will also be, uh, there'll be a fighting wall thrown in, and, uh, and you'll be learning all of the, the skills and tactics and techniques that... Uh, that Bolt Gun is going to teach you that he has learned, and obviously they stood him well because he's returned uh, alive to to this nation, and uh, not just alive, but alive uh, with also the silver star on his chest, among other medals. All right. We'll have more information about that. Uh, on the BattleRoadUSA.com website 
in the next week also, all right? Uh, but I want to let you know that that's going to be uh, on the the middle of March 2013, all right? So that's what we have there. I also want to tell you guys about a couple of uh, of the blogs that are up running with this. Uh, if you can go to battleroadselfdefense.blogspot.com, battleroadselfdefense.com blogspot.com, the blog that we just started to, to follow, follow Battle Road. And then there's another one at riflemanradio.blogspot.com. That's the one I just uh, I just put up about uh, five minutes ago. All right? You're on, that's going to follow the, the riflemanradio.blogspot.com. Now, we'll follow the, the radio show. What we talk about here on the radio show uh and it'll be a place where you guys can uh, can make comments, uh, you can uh, make suggestions about the show, whatever you want to do. If you want some pictures to be put up on there, send me the pictures. I'll put them up on there. If you want to write uh, uh, an article for the blog, send it to me. All right, send it to me. I'll put it up on there if it's uh, uh, if it's uh, in good taste. I'll be glad to. All right. <clears throat> that is riflemanradio.blogspot.com. And the other one is battleroadselfdefense.blogspot.com. And then there's also another one up for the for the zombie run. And I'll put that I'll put that link on the battleroadusa.com website. All right, you guys can read it there. You can you can get to it from there. <laughs> all right, uh, we've got uh, okay. Yeah, that's it. BattleRoadSelfDefense.blogspot.com. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I want to uh, I want to send my prayers out. I hope that you guys will will send yours out at the same time for the nation that uh, is experiencing uh, the weather, the, the bad weather, the flooding, the uh, the winds, the the six million folks out of power. Uh, whenever I talk to you guys about being prepared, about making sure that that you're not going to end up on top of your house with a save me sign taped to your neck, then this is what I'm talking about. All right, it doesn't have to be uh, an extinction level event comet. It doesn't have to be uh, uh, 500,000 jihadists uh, swarming ashore. It doesn't have to be an electromagnetic pulse. Nothing, uh, nothing that complicated, all right? It can be one of the dozens of hurricanes that we get every year, one of the hundreds of tornadoes that we get every year. Uh That's what I want you to be prepared for. And it's it's very simple to get started. <clears throat> All you do is if you make it into a uh you make it into a game and uh you ask yourself <clears throat> if the power went out right here today, would I be able to make it through the day? And uh and once you have uh, secured yourself and secured your your situation so that you know you can make it 
through this one day, then your next uh, goal, your next challenge, your next task is to ask yourself, can I make it through two days? If there were two days that were coming at me back to back, I wasn't going to have any power, water, uh, no phones, no internet, uh, maybe no gasoline. Uh, would I be able to get past that? Would I be able to make those two days? And uh, and once you've done that, once you've secured the two days for yourself, then you can move on to three days, all right? And that's the way it works. And it doesn't have to be done all at once. A lot of people look at preparing uh, for a cessation of services or for or for some type of natural uh, catastrophe or even an unnatural one. A lot of people look at their at the preparation it takes to get through something like that, and they think that because I cannot prepare a year uh, ahead for myself, then why am I doing anything at all? And the answer is because you prepare for the the most likely to occur first. And from there you go to the least likely. The most likely that you're going to experience is is having a, a day without electricity. That's the most likely thing you're going to experience. So you don't have to you can remove the roadblock of saying that since I can't since I can't go out tomorrow and get thirty days worth of uh, food and, and batteries and gasoline and uh, and everything I would need to make it through 30 days, then why bother? I'm not even going to try to because I don't have that kind of money. I don't have that. I can't do it right now. Soon I'll be able to. But right now I can't. So I'm going to wait until I'm able to, and then I'll do it all at once. That's the kind of thinking that will get you in trouble. Uh, I've talked to quite a few folks, and over the last few years I've, I've experienced uh, cessation of services, and uh, a great deal of the folks I've spoken with have too. And because they began their preparation, they were able to make it through uh, tornadoes and hurricanes and floods and stuff like that a lot easier than they would have if they would have let themselves get blindsided by it. Don't put the roadblock in front of you, all right? I mean, I'll tell you one of the things that you can do. <clears throat> if you're looking for information, you can go to the survivalpodcast.com, the survivalpodcast.com. Uh, you can listen to a lot of the stuff they have on there. You can read the forum. They've got a forum there at the, the Survival Podcast, and uh, if you're looking for specific information, it will be hard not to find it there because they've got a great group of folks uh, in the forum, they've got uh, thousands of uh, members, uh, contributing members, and a huge wealth of knowledge there. So make sure that you're, you, you don't have to, like I said, you're not going to have to start all, you're not going to have to do everything all at once, but make sure that you're doing something, all right? And And for most folks, at least most folks that I know. This is no different than when you first start uh, collecting firearms. You know what I mean? When you first go out and uh, uh, and you, well, I don't know. How it, uh, I know from watching folks, I didn't experience it because I 
and firearms all my life. I know from a lot of folks that come to apple seeds and stuff like that, they've never had a firearm before. They will come to an event and uh, they will get the bug and they'll buy a 1022. And then they will uh, then they will come back later and they'll tell me, hey, I'm, I've got another one. i got another rifle. I, I drove over to Alabama and I bought a Grand. And the next time I see them, they'll say, you know what, I ordered uh, an M1A. And so it's, it's a lot like that. You know, once you, once you start delving into this, uh, it can give, you can get bitten by the bug in prepping, and that's not a bad thing, all right? It's not a bad thing. I can tell you, for those 6 million people who are out of power right now, I'm sure that uh, there are several million of those. I would guess that there's over 5 million of those people that weren't prepared for it. And uh, and it's hitting them hard. Don't let yourself get get blindsided by this. And uh, I see here Freedom V is talking uh, about planning a winter weekend with a breaker off and using the wood stove. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, when, when, when I talk to you guys about uh, about doing your dry firing game, and I know a lot of people think that I'm just talking about trigger control. And that's a good place to start. But that's not all I'm talking about. When I talk to you about doing your dry firing game, I'm talking about everything that is required for you to make the shot. I'm talking about your sling, your position, these six steps to firing a shot. And I'm talking about natural point of aim, about uh, the rifleman's bubble, about the rifleman's dance. I'm talking about every single thing that there is, mag changers, everything, everything. When I talk about your dry firing game, I'm talking about everything that's included in making a shot. Uh uh, maybe not going to academy and getting ammo. That might not be part of it, but it could be. When I'm talking about you doing your dry firing game, I'm talking about every single thing that's involved in making the shot. When we do dry firing games for uh, for the shooters that come in for handgun courses, when I talk to them about their dry firing game, I'm talking about the same thing. I'm not just talking about them putting uh, incrementally increasing pressure directly rearward on the trigger until it causes the pistol to fire. I'm talking about the whole thing. Your dry firing game includes uh, uncovering, making your draw from concealed, uh, stepping offline, uh, making the shot, doing a mag change, uh, going through your uh, failure to fire or any any of the other uh, drills, this is all included in your dry fire game. Also included in your dry fire game is things like uh, uh, things like you, you get you get home to your house and uh, and you're coming home alone and you're going to go into your house just like you do every every evening of the week. But tonight, as part of your dry fire game, you're going to go into your house uh, with the with the goal of clearing your house and making it safe. And you're going to do this 
as part of your dry firing game so that when it acts, when something actually happens, if you ever have to clear your house, you've already cleared your house 300 times. You've already cleared your house 300 times. When there was no one there to stick you in the side of your head with an ice pick uh, or to shoot you with a sawed-off shotgun, all right? You're acting as if there were, but there is no one there to do that. You're going to be clearing your house on a regular basis. Uh, during the course of the day, if you're able to in private, you're going to do your draw from concealed. This is all part of your dry fire game. The same thing with your apple seed stuff. Uh, you're going to do your dry fire game with the apple seed. You're going to get down in your position. You're going to uh, execute the shot by the six steps. You're going to practice magazine changes. You're going to be you're going to practice locking the bolt to the rear without looking at it. You're going to practice releasing the bolt. Uh, you're going to practice clearing a uh, misfire uh, without looking at it. It's easy to do. Pull the bolt back, put a shell in uh, so it's just sticking uh, out of the action with the bolt go forward on it. That's your misfire. All right, that's your stovepipe misfire. Uh, you'll just grab the bolt, hold it to the rear, turn the rifle to the side, give it a shake, then let the bolt go forward. Without riding it forward, let the bolt go forward. You're going to practice doing that. You're practicing all of this stuff that you do except for actually making the shot, that's all of your dry fire game. All right? <clears throat> the same thing goes for prepping. You do stuff like uh, uh, what Freedom V was talking about. Uh, and that is uh, start off with just an evening. Do one evening. You come home at 5 o'clock, and you turn the power off, turn the water off, and you go for the next four hours without power or water. Then you see how it works. See what you do. <clears throat> so that's going to mean you're going to have to go grab a flashlight. Hope you have batteries in it. You have to dig around your closet to find your uh, your Coleman lantern or your whatever type of uh, uh lighting that you're using. You're going to have to go and find your, get grab some of your bottled water out from under the bed or wherever you have it. Or if you don't have any, that's going to tell you what, that you're going to get thirsty. You don't have any water already prepared in your home. But even if you live in an apartment, that doesn't mean you can't have uh, uh, six cases of bottled water underneath your bed. And the bottled water is only uh, like four bucks for 36 bottles. Uh, so for uh, for 25 bucks, uh, you can get, uh, how many, 200 bottles of water and stick it under your bed. <clears throat> and there you go. There's a quick prep right there. That four hours is going to teach you a lot about uh, about how much you use it. Even though you know that you've got the breakers turned off, every time you walk into a room, your hand is going to reach up and, and grab that switch and toggle it. Even though you know the power's off. Uh, 25 times during that four hours, you're going to walk by the sink and you're going to turn the faucet on and nothing's going to come out. You're going to go in the bathroom. You're going to turn the faucet on. That's going to happen. You're going to grab the, uh, the 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 handle of the toilet and give it a give it a flush there, and, and nothing's going to happen. That's for those four hours. You do something like uh, Freedom Bees talking about. You do it for a whole weekend. I'll even give you a better idea of how it works. This all falls under uh, under the the auspices of your dry fire game of your rehearsal. 
all right? When folks on the apathy line and they hear the your prep period has begun, I always tell the folks, don't don't waste your prep. You're given that prep for a reason. You're going to prepare. You're going to rehearse. Especially at stage two or stage three, you're going to rehearse exactly what you're going to do. Once you're given the command to fire, you're going to drop down into your position. You're going to pop the safety off. You're going to put a mag in. You're going to work the bolts. You don't take the safety off or work the bolt. And you squeeze the trigger, nothing's going to happen. It's going to take you another couple of seconds to go, why is there nothing happening? I don't know, nothing's happening. You're going to fire two rounds. You're going to drop that magazine and you're going to put a new magazine in. So try and get three rounds out of a two round mag. This is your prep, what your prep is for. You're going to prepare for the actual situation. And that's what you should be doing in your life and in your home. So I'd like for us to uh, to say a quick uh, 15 second prayer for the folks that are going through this right now. I'm sure that a lot of them are scared. Uh, I'm sure a lot of them are in bad uh, in bad straits right now. If you need electricity to keep you alive, then uh, then you're in bad shape. If, there's, if you're one of the six million out of power. Uh, if you're one of the uh, 25 or so folks who have died uh, in the storm, uh, then uh, I'd like for us to say a prayer for them and for their families. And for all of the folks that are experiencing uh, hardships uh, and grief and fear from this, I'd like to pray for them to, uh, for them to find a, uh, to find a sense of comfort uh, for their fear and their grace to be relieved, for the water to subside and for life to uh, to return to what they consider normal. It can happen to anyone, anywhere, anytime. <laughs> But that's not really what we're talking about tonight, right? What we're talking about tonight is that when I say it's the end of the world as we know it, what I'm saying is that it should be. It should be the end of the world as we know it. It should be the end of the world as we know it uh, every single day when we wake up. We should make it into a different world. Uh, We should never get up. We should never wake up there and sit on the edge of our bed and say, "This this is the world and this is what I have to accept. You may have to accept the reality of the current situation that you're experiencing. But you don't have to accept that the world is unchangeable and that you can't do anything about it. It should be on the top of your list for you to create 
a new world for yourself every single day. Every morning when your eyes pop open and when you wake up, it should be your goal to create a new world for yourself every single day. The way you're going to do that is the same way that you're going to make your preps. You're going to do it one step at a time. One uh, one small step at a time in order for you to make it happen. All right? <clears throat> when I talk to folks <clears throat> when I talk to folks about making a difference, uh when the folks from the Appleseed, first thing I tell them that I'd like for them to consider is to plug yourself into the Appleseed project and start making a difference that way. Start making a difference by plugging themselves into the Appleseed project, becoming an instructor or or wherever they want to plug themselves in. But we need instructors. Becoming an instructor and help pushing the program that way. <clears throat> I can tell you that there are there are a lot of different ways that uh, that folks will look at a uh, an Apple Seed two day wrestle marketing event. The folks that uh, are running it, or the admin folks, or whoever. A lot of different folks. A lot of different ways that people will look at an event, and uh, and then using whatever criteria they have in their mind, they will decide whether the event was a success or not. Well, I'm going to tell you the only real, uh, the only real goalpost, I think, the only real mark for being able to tell if something, if the if an Appleseed was uh, event was a success or not, is by the number of instructors that you get from the event. <clears throat> and I'm going to tell you that that if you didn't get an instructor at the event, it's a failure. I'm not saying that. I've done uh, quite a few events that uh, that I didn't get anyone to step up and sign up right there at the end of the event. But I'm also going to tell you that the only way we can grow, the only way that we can meet the demands, uh, the demands for the constant expansion of the program is by filling the instructor ranks with good quality instructors. If you have uh if you have twenty five instructors in your state and uh and you want to continue to to double, you want to continue to uh to reach more people, to do more events, then if you have uh 25 instructors, and you do, let's say you do, uh, oh, let's say you do 10 events uh, that year. That means uh, that means you're going to have uh, uh, you're going to have almost all of your instructors at each of the events. All right. If you're going to do 20 events the next year, it's going to be hard to do because now you're doubling the number of uh, of weekends and events that that static number of 25 instructors have to do. 
So in order for you to keep expanding, to keep doubling in size, then one of your main goals should be filling the instructor ranks with quality instructors, making sure that you're making the pitch to the folks at the, uh, well, it doesn't have to be at the end of the event. It can be all during the event. Uh, making sure that you're talking to the folks about becoming instructors. Make sure that you're including them. Uh, that can be anything from uh, from getting them to help with clearing the line to uh, uh, to inviting them to to listen in on uh, on a non-private uh, uh, debriefing after the event by mentioning it to them during the day. If you see somebody that's doing a great job, they're shooting good, they're sharp. Then you can mention it to them several times during the day. You're doing a great job. I think you'd make a great instructor. In order for us to keep expanding, we're going to have to have more instructors. You need to make sure that's one of your your number one uh, admin priority. Your number one shoot priority is safety. Your number one admin priority is bringing new instructors uh, into the organization. The thing I tell folks at the apple seeds is in order for them to make a difference, in order for them to make a real difference, they're going to have to plug themselves in somewhere. And certainly always offer becoming part of the, the instructor program at Appleseed as one of the best ways they can do that. It's one of the the easiest ways. It's one of the most uh, enjoyable ways. Is it hard work? You bet it is. Does it take up a lot of time? Yes, it does. It's going to eat up a good portion of any free time you might have. Is it worth it? I think it is. I think it is. Beyond the fact that uh, you get to meet some of the best folks in each hand that offer, that you get to improve your rifle marksmanship skills, that you get to teach others uh, you're also helping to spread the word about the fact that the nation, our nation, is in peril. It's in peril, and without anyone doing anything, and if everybody does nothing, then the outlook for the nation is indeed very grim. Uh, something is going to have to be done, and one of the best ways to get it started is becoming part of the instructor program at Appleseed. But even if they're not going to do that, or even if they are, in addition to that, <clears throat> I tell folks that the way that you have to get started in making a difference is you have to start right at your own feet. You have to draw a circle out uh, uh, three foot away from you. And then within that circle, you've got to fix everything uh Everything that's going wrong in that circle, you've got to try and fix it. 
and then you add another three feet, another ten feet, another fifteen feet up from you, and you do the same thing. And eventually, you're going to get to the point where you're talking to your neighbors, and uh, you're making sure that your neighbors are aware of the fact that the freedoms and liberties that they enjoy by virtue of living in this nation uh, are in need of safeguarding and that it is the sacred responsibility of every American to accept the responsibility for safeguarding those freedoms and liberties. That it's a non-delegatable, open-ended commitment there's no free rides just because you did something. Uh, I don't know what. Just because you did something uh, in the course of your life to fix part of the problems, you're never paid in full. There's always the open-ended commitment to your nation. And and I want you to think about it this way. When I say you're, to your nation, and I, I say that in a broad way. I say that as as most folks say it and think about it, we're talking about the commitment to your nation, you know, the land of the free, the home of the brave, but the reality is, is that your nation is, your part of the nation is really a, a very small, a very finite part. It's you, your family, your home, your uh, your street, your community, your city, your county. That's your nation. You don't have to worry about uh, <clears throat> about events going on uh, thousands of miles from you that you have no real control over. Uh, and because you've got no control over them, then you have no control over them. What you have to worry yourself with are the things that you do have control with control over. And that are the things that are going on in your immediate vicinity. Things like your your local elections, your school board elections, your city council elections, your uh, your county sheriffs, all of the all of the local elections that are going on that are going to affect what's happening to you locally. And there's several reasons for this. One is, of course, the most obvious is that and is that the people local to you are going to be the ones that, that have the most effect on you and your family, on your nation, on your street, your block. They're going to have the most effect on it. The other part of that is is that most folks, uh, some people do, I guess, some politicians do, as we've seen recently, but most politicians don't... Uh, don't just uh, blast onto the scene uh, and end up uh, being in the running for senator or congressman or president without a long line of uh, of previous exposures uh, to the system. Most of the people started off somewhere else as uh, uh as a city councilman, as a uh, as a county clerk, as a, a county treasurer, uh, as a school board member, and they continued on. They became, uh, you know, a 
a state treasurer, then a governor, then a senator, and then president. They didn't just uh, start at the top. They started somewhere down low and kind of worked themselves into it. We have to take control and make sure that we're putting good stuff in, in the mouth, putting good stuff in at the beginning so that we're getting good stuff that's graduating uh, at the other end. And when it gets time to have a presidential election, that we don't just have uh, a couple of bad choices, all right? And the reason we end up with bad choices is because we allowed we allowed these things to happen. Now, before everyone starts yelling, I know there's a lot of, a lot of other factors involved. A lot of the factors could be uh, could be eliminated by making sure that you're, be, you're at the very beginning. You're putting good people into the system at the very beginning, and that you're paying attention to those people that you're putting in, like a garden, right? You plant your seeds in the garden. You don't plant it in the garden and walk off and come back uh, uh, eight months later and look at it and go, okay, what's ready to eat? I mean, you can. You may have something there. I don't know. Some Most likely if you planted some uh, some watermelons or something like that, you may have some of those that you can eat or something by then. But most of the other stuff is going to be bad. It's going to either reach its peak and die off, it's going to have gotten some bugs or uh, any number of things, overgrown by weeds. <clears throat> what you have to do is you plant those seeds and you look at them. And most people, when they plant a garden, you plant a row, uh, like a row crop or something, especially if it's a small uh, you know, home garden, you plant two or three seeds uh, in each of the holes. And you take a look when it starts coming up and uh, you pick the strongest of the, of the two plants that came up from those two seeds and you pinch the other one off. And you just leave the strong one to go in its place so it gets plenty of sunshine and water and stuff like that. You call it out. You call out the weak to make sure that the strong ones have uh, all they need to grow. It's the same thing you do with a politician. If somebody's not making, they're not doing the right things, then you call them out. Don't let them keep... Uh, uh, you keep riding a, a gravy train and continue to to uh, line their feather bed with bad decisions, and you keep saying, well, you know, I'm sure that they they just didn't understand this. They'll get it right next time. <clears throat> the only way they're going to get it right next time is by you telling them that they did something wrong. So that means that along the way, too, you're going to need to, to be speaking to these people that you are putting into power. You're going to need to tell them if they're doing a good job or a bad job. They usually tell folks, give your give your your school board members or your senators, your state senators or your congressmen or your city councilmen, and give them the benefit of a doubt. Even your uh, uh, even your uh, national senators, give them the benefit of the doubt. Right? Maybe they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Maybe they don't know they're doing something wrong. So what do you do? You got to tell them. You got to let them know that they're doing things that aren't good for your nation. And once again, when I say your nation, I'm not talking about uh, the USA as a whole. I mean, 
it ends up being that way. Don't get me wrong. It ends up being that way as you progress from your uh, from your street to Washington D.C. But mainly, you're talking about your street. If you have folks that aren't doing a good job for their nation, then you gotta get rid of them. Don't just talk about it. Don't just say, ah, man, I really should, we should really get rid of this guy. But I don't know, you know. you got to get rid of him. Get rid of him. Get somebody else in. <clears throat> All right. The problem right now, and you guys have heard me, you've heard me say this over and over again, that... Right now, uh, America is standing on the precipice that we're that we're entering into a tremendously dangerous time period in our history. I would dare say it's 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 the most dangerous uh, for several reasons. One, because we have such a huge amount uh, to lose now. All of the uh, all of the accomplishments that we've made, all of the uh, all of the great things that we've done, that we stand on the verge of losing, and two, because the enemy that we are facing right now is so nebulous, it's it's such uh, it's such a devilish enemy by virtue of the fact that it, it's so well camouflaged. That that whether enough folks understand that it's a danger or not is it, it, going to be the difference between whether we make it or not. When you're walking down a trail and you're walking down in the fall and and you can, and there's a bunch of leaves on the ground and they're the copper colored leaves and uh, and there's a copper head curled up there in the leaves. It's very hard very hard to see. It's very hard to to discern the this, this, this snake and its camouflage against the background of the leaves. And, you know, that's done on purpose. And that's what we're facing now. The only problem is we don't even have uh we don't even have the 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 actual snake that we could defeat. It's much more much more nebulous. It's more it's more smoke and oakum than than an actual device. Uh, in the show notes, I wrote that uh, that that we don't have uh, a defined enemy like our ancestors had at uh, at many periods during uh, during our history. We don't we don't have British regulars that we can put our front sight post on and squeeze the trigger and make the make the situation right. We don't have uh, we don't have a declared uh, enemy that we can see standing right in front of us. Instead, what we have is about the worst enemy that you could face, and that is uh, a, a, a nebulous, uh, undefined enemy. But when you get down, when you cut through all the smoke and, 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 and the shadows, and you reach 
to a place where you can actually see the face of the enemy, the worst part of it is is it's, you're going to be looking in the mirror. Because for the most part, the the apathy of Americans is what's going to kill us. The apathy of Americans and the the inability to realize that the that the problem that's in front of them is is a problem, and it's so serious that it's going to cause the death of all that we hold dear. Uh, that's our problem, and of course, throughout history, it's over and over again. You see that that folks don't make a change until they're forced to do so. They don't make a change. They don't. They usually don't uh, do any type of proactive or preemptive change. They wait until they're forced to. And I'm telling you, we've got uh, we've got a huge tidal wave coming at us. And I don't know that that we can. Uh, I don't know that even as, as much as we do that we're going to be able to do a whole lot about it. Uh, I believe that we're going to get uh, a huge tidal wave rolling over us, you know, in the form of uh, a financial and economic reset. Uh, I think that I think that every even even. I think every politician that you talk to, uh, even the ones that don't want to, uh, uh, they don't want to admit it because if they do, they would have to accept the blame for it or some of the blame anyway. Uh, I believe that the majority of them would tell you if you said, "Can we continue to spend at the level that we're spending at?" Almost every one of them are going to say, "No, I know we can't." Well, has anybody stopped spending at the level that we're spending at? No, no, they haven't. So, so what are you telling me? Well, I guess we're saying that we're going to continue to spend and spend until we don't have the capacity uh, to spend anymore. And that's exactly where we're headed. So, uh... I don't know that there's any way to escape that. So I think you had better begin preparing for that. Now, I'm not saying that uh, uh, that our nation is going to end. <clears throat> I don't believe that. But I believe if we do nothing, that we're going to get a severe boot right in our backside and things are going to get so unbelievably rough uh, that it, it's going to be a horrible disaster for us, all right? <clears throat> so what can you do? Like I said, you have to do several things at once. You, have to, you, you, can't, uh, you can't just be uh, a crisis manager, all right, because that's the way our government has been operating for the, the last... Uh, the last century and a half, almost since it began, you can't just be a crisis manager uh, or you can't just be managing through crisis. <clears throat> You're going to have to take a long-term view of this because in the event that we somehow uh, that we somehow escape past this, 
then every day that we don't do uh, long-term planning is another day we're behind. So the first thing you have to do is make sure that you are the number one that you have admitted to yourself that there's a problem in the nation. The nation uh, needs some maintenance. It needs some tender loving care. And that the responsibility for this falls squarely on your shoulders, that you are responsible for to, to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy by virtue of living in this nation, that you have the sacred responsibility of safeguarding those freedoms and liberties, and you start doing things in order to safeguard them. So you have to, first of all, you have to admit that there is a problem. I've talked to you guys many times before about uh, about living your life in the the 30-minute sitcom mode, which a lot of people do. Uh, if you listen to the radio or you watch TV and you you see them talking about the voters, now it's right up against election time, right? And you see them talking to the voters, and they ask them questions like uh, uh, they were polling some of the folks the other day, and they were asking folks who said they were getting ready to vote for Obama uh, why they were voting for him. And they were asking them questions like, does it does it bother you that uh, President, President Obama's running mate, uh, Paul Ryan, is uh, a, a black man, and they would say stuff like, no, no, it doesn't matter at all, because he's got some great ideas, and he's going to do the right thing for the nation. Does it uh, bother you that uh, President Obama is uh, is a Mormon? No, no, you know, they, they know he's still going to make the right decisions, and, uh, and on and on and on. Now, I'm sure you could probably get just as many, uh, just as many answers from uh, the folks who decided they were going to vote for uh, for Romney and in that same uneducated vein. So first you have to make sure that you know what the issues are, that you know that you, that you have at least a small grip on the issues that are facing your nation. And once again, when I say your nation, I'm mainly talking about uh, probably the home that you're sitting in right now. That is your nation. Your home, your street, your block, your community, the things that are facing your nation. Because if you worry about that, then you'll be worrying about the nation as a whole. If we're all doing that, if we're all worrying about our nations, then we'll be worrying about the nation as a whole. So the first thing you have to do is admit to yourself that there's a uh, that there is a problem that needs fixing, and then you got to start doing something about it. And and what can you do? Well, uh, as I said earlier, the first thing you can do is. Uh, You can become part of the Appleseed Project. You can help us. You can help us. And by helping us, you can help yourself. 
the Appleseed Project is like a, a huge Paul Revere machine, and we're aggressively going out and getting people and informing them of uh, of their duty to the nation, and we're getting them started in in helping uh, in helping to provide the maintenance to the nation by becoming part of the program by teaching folks rifle marksmanship. Now, that in itself seems like, uh, you know, it seems like a strange uh, solution to the problem, right? Unless you have, unless it was a case of uh, the Japanese attacking Pearl Harbor or the regulars coming, right? Because you're saying, well, what, what in the world does teaching somebody rifle marksmanship have to do with saving the nation? Well, it's a it's a it's a mini edged sword because the first and foremost way is you get folks to attend an event and you suck them in by getting them to make a uh, to set themselves up a goal of improving their rifle marksmanship. They come to an event and then they uh, almost uh, almost ninety nine percent of them. I would say at least 99%, talking about all the folks that we've had to the program, 99% of them set the goal of improving their rifle marksmanship, and they meet that goal, and they exceed it. And once they've done that, then the logical follow-on for them is to is to ask, what's next? Because that, when somebody sets a goal and they achieve it, that's always the next thing that they ask right then and there. Wow. Well, I did this. I did it. I mean, there's a lot of things I could do. I mean, there's a lot of goals I could set for myself and then meet and exceed them. So what's my next goal? So that's what we're doing. We're getting them there. We're getting them to set a goal, meet and exceed it, to ask yourself the following question of what what else can I do? And then we want to be standing there with the answer. You can plug yourself into this program, all right? And if that's not good enough for you, then it's incumbent of you to find out what is, all right? Now that you realize that there's a problem and that the problem uh, the problem needs, needs fixing, then it's incumbent upon you to figure out a way to plug yourself in. And, and in that way, the program is a lot like a, uh, like a rocket launch pad. Because people will come to an event, and I see this over and over. People come to an events, and uh, they don't become an instructor. But I will see them in the weeks and months and years following on, and I will see that they have plugged themselves in somewhere. Uh, they become a uh, a rep for their political party, or uh, in a lot of cases, they become uh, uh, candidates themselves. Uh, Kevin Ramsey down in uh, South Texas. Uh, he came to an apple seed, uh, and uh, and not long after that, uh, the next thing I hear is pretty soon he's uh, pretty soon he's one of the party reps, and pretty soon he's going to imagine he's going to end up being a candidate, and uh, and that's what we're doing, all right. <clears throat> Uh, I have uh, Dale from Ohio who wants to uh, to talk. 
Dale, welcome to the show. Mr. Scout, how are you? I'm just dandy. How about yourself, Dale? I, I'm doing very well. Uh, I had to call in, give you a water break here. You're doing a great job. Uh, appreciate the show every week. I probably catch it about uh, once every two or three weeks. And well, it's in the archives, Dale. It's in the archives. Go ahead and, and go back in the archives and dig a show out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Download it to your iPod. <laughs> I'm I'm not that technologically advanced, so I just listen live when I have a an hour or so, uh, once or twice a month. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate you listening. Are you uh, are you part of the Apple Tea Project? I am busting my hump trying to make riflemen. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, that's good because you set yourself a goal and you're headed toward achieving it. You know, I always tell people, you know, I always tell them don't ever get frustrated because the path to riflemen, it's never it's never a straight left to right uh, 45-degree line that starts out, you know, at the baseline of zero and ends up at 100 and just take a couple of steps in a 45-degree arc. That's not ever the way that it works. Uh, now, we do have people that will show up and they'll shoot the rifle standards, but normally, uh, I mean, they'll, they'll do it right away, but normally they, they've got uh, many years of professional shooting and stuff behind them. The normal path looks more like a, uh, uh, you know, like a Wall Street stock uh, analysis. You know, it'll go up and it'll go down, up and down, and, and it goes... Uh, a lot according to to your uh, your experience in shooting, to your determination, to and to a great deal to how much you run your dry fire game. Like I was talking about earlier in the show, uh, the, the harder you run your dry fire game, the more that that line kind of straightens out and, and points back up at uh, at a forty five degree angle from base. <clears throat> but don't ever get frustrated. Because every single person I have ever known, 100%, every single person I have ever known who said, I want to shoot to Rossman standards, uh, and who have kept shooting with that goal in mind, has made it. Every single one. So uh, I have no doubt that you'll make it soon. And uh, once you do, have you thought about becoming an instructor? Uh, I've thought about it. Um as I look at the uh, the excellent instructors that are up here in Northern Ohio, I realize that it's a huge commitment that they make. Um, so <laughs> I'm still <laughs> still considering that move because um, I'm real, I, my last shoot I scored a 205, which was my high, and so I'm knocking on the door and yeah. So if you're you know, at 205, and all you have is just uh, <laughs> you just have some mice. You just have some, I call it rat killing. You just got to do a tiny bit of rat killing. If you're at 205, that's all you got to do. And you know what will do that? I am I guarantee you. If you uh, at a 205, all you need is another six points, not five. That only gives you 210, the bare minimum, right? You don't want to do that. You want to make at least a 211. Uh, so you only need six points. And I guarantee you, you can do that by firing uh, 1,000 
dry fire rounds between now and your next event, especially if you uh, compact it into like a 30-day program, right? Uh, That means, uh, say you do uh, 40 shots, 40 dry fires an evening, the 30 days leading up to your your next event. I guarantee you, you will cross the threshold uh, at an easy jog. It won't be hard at all. But that's part of your dry fire game, right? So 205, well, you, you've just got you've got some rats nibbling at your uh, uh, at your technique. Uh, a lot of that's going to be making sure that you are uh, that you're truly in your respiratory pause, that you are paying attention to your trigger control, and then the main thing is going to be 4B, which is ensuring that you're focusing your mind on keeping your front sight on the target. You do those three things along with the rest of your dry fire game, and I guarantee you, you'll walk across that line with no trouble whatsoever at your next event, Dale. That sounds great. Uh, I, As you were describing that process, I picture all my mistakes rolling through my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you get to 205, a lot of it is just right there in your head. You know, it's a lot of your, a lot of the stuff that you're doing. It's not. It's no longer. It's no longer your skills or your, your skills or techniques. A lot of it's it's going to be in your mind right there because once you've been once you're shooting through a pod, then then you have the skills, you have the techniques, and uh, and usually at that point, what you need to do is you just got to need to stop thinking about shooting and just shoot and. Uh, Take the the take the weight off your shoulders, take the pressure off your shoulders, and you get into your rifleman's bubble. And here's the best part of that: when you get into your rifleman's bubble, uh, the first thing I always do is I apply a smile to my face. That's the first thing. I mean, you have to be forced the first few times you do it. But if you apply a smile to your face when you're sinking into your bubble, then I'm guaranteeing you it's going to uh, it's going to ease away for you. Well, listen, I, I know you probably had something you want to talk about, and I don't want to monopolize the conversation. What do you got for us this evening, Dale? I only had two things. Two things. One was to give you a, a pause to grab a drink of water because you're doing a great job and you're slowly tonight. <laughs> two was uh, I called in the spring and let you know that I was trying the seventh step and get my neighbor to come out for a shoot. Uh, that has failed. Um However, uh, the last shoot of the season is this weekend in Northern Ohio, and I got a you know what uh, a guy from that I acquainted at the grocery store, just talking with him about you know the Appleseed Project, and over a course of really about six months, uh, I convinced him to to come out to a shoot you know starting this weekend, and. You know he, he's he's registered. He's ready to go. I'm gonna give him a, a, a loaner rifle, and he's just he's just thrilled to you know to have a chance to go out and shoot. And he's a young guy. He's only uh, 20 years old, and never really shot rifle before. And so I'm proud to uh, you know to kind of do what you're talking about. You know to get involved a little bit, uh, maybe not with an instructor's hat, but just get other folks. You know, instructed in, in how to shoot. So well, to yeah, don't don't get me wrong when I say, but you don't you you do not have to be an instructor. 
uh, in the Appleseed Project or anywhere or anything in order to start making the country right. All you have to do is decide in your mind that that's what you want to do, that that's what your goal is. I want to make things right. I want to, I want to, I want to do my part. And that's all you have to do. Because let me tell you, if, if just the members of the forum, I don't know how many we have now, 12, 13, 14, 15,000, say that just the members just did the same thing you're doing. They, they, all of them talked to one person and they, they brought one person to an event. And bang, we had 15,000 people coming uh, to the next event, then that would be a huge increase in on the way to our goals to doubling and to reaching as many people as we can. And once again, when, when I talk about doubling in numbers and stuff, uh, and a lot of people say it's all about they, they don't want to that all we're concerned with is the numbers. Well, they're absolutely right. Appleseed is about the numbers. I, anytime you're trying to, anytime you're trying to do anything, I don't care what it is. Uh, maybe unless it's trying to thread a needle or something. And it's always going to be about the numbers, about how many people you can get uh, to go along with you, how many people you can get to help save the nation. Because one or two probably aren't going to do it. It's going to take a lot of folks. And then, Dale, just like what you were doing, uh, I don't imagine I don't imagine you said uh, that you, you did a whole lot of uh, – I don't really need anything from the grocery store, but I'm going to go so I can talk to the guy. You just, when you were there <laughs> at the store, you just talked to him when you were there, right? There's there's a nugget of truth in there, for sure. Well, there you go. So it wasn't anything you were doing that was out of your way. You didn't didn't cost you any extra gas. didn't cost you any extra time or anything like that. Well, it may have cost you a few minutes in conversation. Yeah. But it was part of your day as it occurred, and that's, what we're talking about, and and six months, that uh, I got to tell you, Dale, that's actually uh, uh, that's high speed. Uh, yeah, it was, that was pretty. Uh, <laughs> that's once a week it's, between thirty well, seconds yeah, and uh, three three four minutes every week. Come to the apple seed, register. I'll lend you a rifle. Just go. <laughs> well, um, that's what I'm saying. Is that. Uh, that people think they said, you know, I've been talking to this guy for six months and I got nothing. That don't let that discourage you because uh, a lot of people will say, okay, uh, because it takes uh, it, it takes a great deal of exposure to something. Usually, it'll take multiple instances of, of exposure to get somebody to to try something new. The only the only way to get around that is the low-tech method of word of mouth, and that's when a trusted mm-hmm. friend or family member tells you uh, about something, and because you trust them, you need no further exposure to it. You just say, okay, Dad told me about this, so I'm going to go. Other than that, people are going to need a, g- a good deal of exposure. They're going to need to look at some trifolds, or they're going to need to take a spin on the forum usually. They're going to need you to come back and remind uh, remind you. I had guys that showed up at events that said, yeah, you know what, <clears throat> Uh, you may you don't remember this maybe, but you know, we were we were stopped at a gas station, uh, you know, in uh, Pflugerville, 
and you were on the other side of the pump for me, and you were telling me about the the FC project, and you gave me a trifold in your card and stuff there. And that was that was like two years ago, and I went straight home and I started reading about it. I said, man, this is this is something I've got to do, and it still took that guy after he was already said this is something I want to do. He was all for it. He was revved up. It still took him two years to make it. But that's the whole point of the. That's that's why it's called the apple seed project because we're planting these seeds uh, in the in the our fellow Americans' minds, and we don't know when uh, or if it's ever going to go anywhere. It's going to grow anywhere. But I can guarantee you, it's not going to go anywhere if you don't put the seed in the ground. If you don't put the seed in the ground, it does not have a chance to die or grow. So you got to put the seed in the ground. And I know very few people, uh, I'm sure there's probably some instance of it, who knows, that have been uh, injured or anything by uh, by striking up a conversation with someone that they uh, meet in line or at the gas station or at the grocery store or at the doctor's office or anything else. Very few people, I think, have ever been injured by it. A lot of people find it hard to do to, to talk to a stranger about something like that. But <clears throat> make it easier on yourself. Have some trifles in your pocket or uh, or a card or something and just say, uh, and just hand it to them. Say, hey, you might want to take a look at this. Uh, you know, I went to one of these uh, American Heritage and shooting events, and I'm telling you what, you know, it really opened my eyes about uh, about what's going on in the nation. And that's that's all you got to do. Give them the trifold, and then uh, and that was your seed for the day. Uh it took you about uh, 15 seconds to do, and you never know. That guy might be end up being the guy that uh, that goes home and he reads the trifold and he goes through the form and takes a look at it, and uh, and he becomes a new high-flying, uh, high-speed, low-drag state coordinator for your state and helps your state to uh, become number one in the nation. Uh, you just you never know. But there's no way that that guy's ever going to be the high-speed, low-drag state coordinator if he doesn't know about the program. There's just no way. So I think what you're doing is great, Dale. And I wish that uh, I wish that more people did it because I know plenty of folks who are really great instructors. But I think that they would have a heart attack before they ever told anybody about the program. Yeah, so the biggest thing is I noticed with this fella, he's a young guy, like I said, he's 20 years old. There are so many young men like him that are coming from, uh, you know, single families or single parent families uh, that have never shot before. Um, they don't have, you know, maybe dad's not around to to teach them, and so there's a, there's this generational, you know, disconnect going on. You know, people 20, 30, 40 years old and under, maybe just don't have experience just because dad wasn't around. And I'm not that old myself, but, you know, he's younger than me. And, uh, you know, to be able, for me to be able to, you know, share that experience with him is, you know, it's something that I never even thought of. Hey, you know, his dad's not around. You know, my dad wasn't around. I learned this, you know, later in life. So, you know, that's something that... <laughs> You know, a lot of us folks have, you know, that want to teach younger men to, to shoot. Exactly. Hey, listen, there was a guy from there was a guy from Ohio that just called in, and as I was moving my cursor over on the switchboard to to answer his call, 
the page must have refreshed as I was crossing over the uh, one of the buttons, and I think I just hung up on him. So listen, if you just called in uh, to talk to about uh, talk about sheets in Ohio, please call back in because I think I just accidentally hung up on you. All right. Uh, okay. So when is the when is the next shoot that you're going to, Dale? Um, it is this Saturday, so it's, it's Thursday, so two days from now. Um, and it's, as far as I know, the last shoot up here in Northern Ohio because it gets freaking cold. <laughs> and okay. That'll be in Wor- That'll be in Worcester. Okay, hold uh, on just a second. Ohio. All right, the guy, the, the guy just called back in. Uh, area code four one two three two seven. You're on the air. Hey, Scout. It's uh, it's Ed. Uh, he, he'll, he'll oh, hey, Ed. Did I just hang up yeah. on you? Um, okay, I, I was that. just disconnected somehow, but yeah. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, uh, I thought he said that you wanted some information on the Ohio shoots that Dale was going to. Oh, I, I was curious on where he had gone earlier in the year. Yes. Okay. Where have you been going to, Dale? Um, well, <laughs> I'm really partial to uh, to Gibsonburg, Ohio, which is kind of near Bowling Green. Oh, yeah. Poster Boy. Poster Boy does an awesome job up there. Well, great. Bowling Green. Bowling Green, Ohio. Well, I drive to Bowling Green, Kentucky, (laughs) on the way up to New York every year. And uh, that's a beautiful place. So that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about, so forget I said that. Well, what about you, Ed? You're asking for a specific reason, right? Well, I, I was just curious if I'd run into him. Um, you know, I, I've been all over Ohio this year. Uh, I've been up to uh, Gibsonburg a number of times. So, that, that, you know, that's why I was kind of curious when, you know, he, he's a shooter. He's been coming from, you know, he's from Ohio. So I was just curious if I ran into him. Okay. And do you, this, remember, this, this, you remember this you ran weekend. into Ed, Dale? You know, not that I recall, but I'm I'm not so great with memory. So. <laughs> I was up there in uh, April. Now, Ed, did I just see you said you got a commercial on the phone? Uh, yeah, it um it it was apparently a part of the hang up on me bit, so no no big deal. Oh, okay, all right. So you just I'm gonna say uh, they better not be sticking commercials in there because because I've I've uh, purposely not monetize the show, although I've thought about it because uh, because there are a lot of you folks listening now. We may get uh, get as many as uh, twenty five thousand downloads a month, and uh, and if that's the case, and if I can, I'm going to talk to them and see as long as it's nothing too intrusive. If I can use it to pay my uh, my uh, seventy dollar plus a month bill at Blog Talk, then I may do that. I don't think you guys would mind a, a few commercials, probably. I mean, nobody wants them, but... Uh, I, I don't think that there would be any problem with commercials during the podcast at all. I think that they usually do them, like, at the beginning or at the end or something like that. I'm not sure. I'll talk to them and find out. I think a lot of times, too, that they, they gear them toward uh, whatever your audience is, uh, you know, is uh, one of the audience is kind of looking at, so... Anyway, we'll take a look at that. Well, Ed, now that you're on the phone, uh, what else you got? 
you want to give some thanks to uh, some of your crew folks or give us uh, some of your insight into uh, how to better how to better get folks uh, uh, interested in attending? You know, I, I wish I had an answer to that. It's, uh, I've been spending most of my, you know, past month trying to just figure out how to be a shoot boss. So, um, you know, ma- many thanks to, you know, Easy uh, uh, 3 uh, I did my first two bits with him. And then Poster Boy this past weekend up in Gibsonburg where I did my bit 3. So, um, you know, this weekend I'm going to be hanging out with uh, Mean Streaker, a senior instructor, so... I'm sure he'll have a lot of feedback for me. Um, you know, the, right. the, shoot, the shooters have been fantastic um, at, at all the shoots. Um, it, it, it's been an interesting experience. I uh, never quite realized, you know, what was going through the shoot boss's mind while the event was going on. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it certainly, yeah, your chuckle just says it all right there. It's a whole different set of responsibilities that, you know, even the instructors aren't thinking about it. right right because and you know and everything uh, everything the the knob gets a, a definite uh, shift you know you get a different uh, complete shift in your uh, perspective on what's going on and and some of it's good and some of it's not so good you know the good part is is being able to to mentor uh instructors and being able to to tell them what a good job they're doing and helping them to hone their craft and stuff like that. And then there's other parts is, is you know, is whenever you, when you end up as a shoot boss, a lot of times it's like all of the good stuff gets uh, taken away from you and you end up with uh, ordering the porta potties and making sure that there's trash bags and stuff like that and, uh, uh, and there's no shooting. Uh, although if we have a, you know, if we have a uh, a good group of instructors, which means if we get a uh, a large group of instructors, which we're we're lucky enough to get here uh, in the villa because it's it's like a training hub <laughs> that uh, I try and run the uh, the instructors. I try to make sure they get down the line in rotation and stuff like that, so that they can remember what it's like to shoot at an apple seed because. Uh, a lot of times, once you become an instructor, once you get into the instructing uh, uh, pipeline, then you stop shooting and you, be, you learn to, be, uh, to to teach your craft. But one of the problems with that is, is if you don't stay current on your shooting, and it's hard for you to stay current in your understanding of what the shooters are going through, you know, and what the uh, how the information is getting to them. And what it feels like to be uh, 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 prepping for stage three and stuff like that, or what it feels like to be in stage three and having somebody yelling in your ear about uh, dragging wood and stuff like that, then you forget what that's like. I try to make sure that uh, that we're running the instructors through, and of course, if there's enough time, I'll try and get down the line too. I actually got to shoot at the last event we were at because we had a uh, uh, large number of instructors. Well, we had like a uh, a uh, one to two instructor to student ratio, and uh, so we tried to 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 send everybody through uh, shooting an AQT, and uh, but otherwise uh, you end up not being able to shoot. You don't get to call the line. Uh, you don't. Uh, there's a lot, just a lot of stuff that you that you don't do anymore. The shoot boss, but a lot of the other responsibilities that you get. So 
So it's good and it's bad. But the best part is going to be that uh, is that is that you're going to. Uh, I, I know you're already doing this. But it's going to become your main job, and that is mentoring uh, the instructors on their way up to shoot off, on their way up to your position. So that is going to be rewarding for you to be able to, to mentor folks and watch them come along, watch them learn their craft and apply their craft, and you know that's going to be the uh, that's going to have to take the place of the shooting for the most part. It's a, it's a very meta activity. It's um, it's it's teaching the teachers, uh, right. and it, it's uh, it's interesting, you know, independently of its own right. It's uh, you get to learn where the time monkey lives, and uh, the time monkey doesn't live where you think he does. So, right, and I try to make sure that the the attendees, the folks that are attending, try to make sure that they understand that too, because <clears throat> the uh, the Appleseed Project is not just a rifle marksmanship uh, instruction program. It, uh, we're not just teaching attendees to shoot. We're teaching instructors to teach because that is, uh, that is just as important uh, a mission that we have as teaching the folks who showed up there on Saturday morning to learn to shoot. And that is teaching the instructors that we have uh, to become better instructors, to teaching them how to how to become instructors. So we've got two programs going on at the same time. We're teaching folks to shoot, and then we're teaching instructors to teach. And those two things have to be worked out so that they're complementary to each other. And, you know, sometimes it's easy, and sometimes it's not so easy. And uh, oh, it, it, trying to make sure it, that it, the – yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, at least in my experience so far, and it's limited as a shoot boss because, you know, I've, I've – I just completed my three F bits, so. Um, but it, it's um, I haven't found it so difficult to to balance those two, but you know I've been kind of blessed with in the area that, I mean even our IITs are are just pretty darn sharp. So, um, you know compliments and you know thanks to all of them because they made my job a lot easier than it could have been. Oh, absolutely, and and that's one of the things that I tell the folks that are attending. But I'll explain that to them too. I'll explain to them that uh I said, you know, during the course of the day you're gonna see uh you're gonna see different things going on with the instructors. You're gonna see people wearing different hats. Different colored hats. Uh, because they are on a quest just as you. You're on a quest uh to improve your rifle marksmanship and they are on a quest to improve their ability to teach you rifle marksmanship. So both of these things are gonna be going on simultaneously and even though you see somebody with an orange hat, that that all that means is that they have been where you are and they set themselves a goal to improve their rifle marksmanship and to shoot to rifle standards, and they did. And then they uh, set themselves an additional goal of learning how to become a full instructor with the Appleseed Project. And the thing about, uh, and I make sure that the folks understand there that the, uh, that for somebody to get a uh, a hat in the program, <clears throat> it means that they've gone through everything these folks have, have they're going through right there and there, and that they have learned their skills, they've learned their craft, and now they're just learning to teach it. I said so that you don't have to think that these are these are brand new people who don't know what they're doing because they're not. Everybody that's uh, wearing a hat. Uh, has already shown their proficiency at their ability 
to listen to the instructors and then to put that uh, instruction to use to be able to shoot the rifle on standards. Now they're just learning the best way to teach it. So uh, I have no fear that uh, that any of the folks that uh, you may ask to give you a hand that they're not going to know what they're talking about. So they are. They're all, every one of the the folks who have the hat has already gone through a huge amount of instruction in order to get to the point where they're at. Yeah, and and what you were saying about you know um, instructors and them being able to shoot, it, it's certainly less. Um, you know, it, it, it's both uh, you know a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, though I mean, this year I have been to now twenty apple seeds this year, and I have not gotten to shoot an AQT all year. But you know, I've shot a number of red coats. And just like two weeks ago, I finally cleared one for the first time, and I was like, huzzah! So, <laughs> well, the uh, we'll try and make sure, like I said, I'm trying to make sure that uh, if at all possible, and it's going to be hard because for right now. But once you once you have completed your SBIT and you've run through, you run a couple of uh, apple teeth under your belt and stuff like that, then. Uh, See about uh, swinging it so that you can uh, <clears throat> get on the line, even for just uh, one one uh, uh, APT. And it's, it shouldn't be that hard because even if you even if you are uh, SBITing someone else, or even if you're just running an event, uh, there's still no problem with you getting down the line and shooting because at that point between. Uh, when he says your preparation period has begun and uh, ceasefire, 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 unloading clear, <clears throat> they're not going to need you doing anything anyway. Uh, so you can use that amount of time if you want to to try and burn yourself through uh, one AQT. And uh, I don't think anybody will uh, will begrudge you that amount of time. And like I said, I think it's good to encourage the instructors were there with you. You know, you can slice off some time. Even if you're a uh, uh, an RSO, it doesn't matter. You can still get down and shoot an AQT, even if you're an RSO, because you're only an RSO from uh, cease fire uh, to the line is clear. All right. So the rest is uh, going to be available for instruction and. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and it's. It's definitely true that this year I've sacrificed my own shooting time so that other instructors could get on down on the line and, and shoot. You know, it's uh, it, it comes down to I was you know concentrating on learning how to teach, and and that's okay. I mean, because yeah, one that's of my perfect. Goals, one of my goals that's for perfect. next year. Just don't don't be, don't uh, don't get into the uh, to the habit of some guys that I've seen who don't once they once they become instructor. That's it. They Put the rifle in the closet, and that's it. Because you don't want to stray too far away from, like I said, from from understanding. So it's easy to forget. Just like it's easy to to lose your shooting skills. Now that doesn't mean that you can't teach it. Once you've learned these skills and the abilities to shoot your rifleman standards, uh, you're you can still teach it, even if you can't pull your rifle out and shoot a two ten and above on command. Uh, which you still make sure that you should always try and make sure you're able to do that. But even if you can't, that doesn't mean that you can't teach it. You can still teach it. But the farther away you get from understanding what is going on with the shooters on the line, then the easier it is to uh, the 
easier it is to do things or to run an event, uh, that makes it harder on the shooters. And and uh, there's no disagreement there. I mean, what, one of my goals for this next year is to be become both. You know, I, I've only shot a rifleman score with 22. I, I want to shoot a rifleman score with uh, with the center fire. I mean, that that's one of the goals for this coming year. Another goal is to shoot you know, KD rifles. So I, I it, now that I've I've gotten to where I'm at, it's, now there are new goals. That's there you go. Way. Perfect. Yeah, I shot. Uh, when I shoot, I shot. I guess I shot at the last event. Uh, I splurged because, like I said, we had a really high uh, instructor to student ratio, and the majority of them were red hats. And I don't want you—I don't want anybody listening to get freaked out about this because I'll tell you that uh, that almost nobody—I uh, don't know hardly anybody—that uh, that comes to develop to the the longest running DAR in the nation. I don't know hardly any instructors that come to Davila who have ever asked for any kind of uh, uh, reimbursement. Okay, so I don't want people to think that we're padding the padding the thing here and running the running the dollar up because we're not. But we've got uh, we had a huge amount of, uh, uh, of uh, instructors at the last one, and uh, so it, it, we made it easy on us to do this. And and we do this on occasions because. Uh, because we want to see each other and we want to be able to shoot. And let's see, this last time I tried out a new rifle. It wasn't mine, but I tried out a new rifle that uh, Larry Coonrad had, and uh, it was a beautiful AR in uh, 308. <clears throat> and I'd never fired the rifle before, but uh, I fired one round to uh, to sight it in, and then uh, uh, and then I think I fired four. Four AQTs, and uh, I guess I fired. Uh, I guess I fired two red coats over the thing today. Four AQTs and two red coats. And uh, I got to tell you, the rifle, of course, did most of it. The rifle was so sweet. But uh, I cleaned the red coats, and uh, I think I, I think I was pushing the two twenties uh, on the AQTs, <laughs> and. Uh, and it's just uh, it's just really good to get down and uh, and just stay in the mode of shooting. And, and it seems kind of silly because I live right here at the range. And, and don't get me wrong, I do shoot a good deal. I'll I'll grab a rifle and I'll go out and I'll shoot. But uh, most of the time, I'm not shooting an AQT. I'm not. Uh, I'm either I'm I'm either trying out a new rifle or I'm trying out a modification on it or something like that. And uh, and then getting down and shooting with your buddies, shooting with the rest of your the instructors and stuff, is always a good thing too, because uh, uh, because it has a lot of social value, and and it's good for the uh, the attendees to see that that the instructors when they hold up their their AQTs and they're all in the uh, in the uh, above the rifleman standard. It's good for them to see that uh, the instructors aren't just—they're not just talking the talk; they're walking the walk too. So it's, it's, I think it's good all around. Now sometimes you're not going to be able to do it, and if you can't, then you can't. That's just the way it is. And right now you're on a path that uh, is not allowing you to do it right now because you're working on a different project. But at some point in the future, uh, you'll be freed back up. And once you can, once you feel comfortable doing it, then it's a good—it's uh, a good idea to, to to insert yourself back into the line. 
and become reacquainted with the uh, with what the attendees go through, and then to make sure that your instructors, the ones that uh, that you're mentoring and that you're teaching, make sure that they that you're running them through the line too, to make sure that they keep their rifle skills current and fresh, and they keep themselves up to speed on what the attendees are going through. And I, I agree with everything you just said. It, it is, you know, it, it's it it is exactly as you just described. It's I I was on a different path for a little while, and now that that path is complete, it's all about you know getting back to the basics. So, and, and I really look forward to that. Well, Dale, you still there? Yes, sir. All right. So you're going to be at Gibsonville this weekend. <laughs> And, uh, now he's going to Worcester. <laughs> yes. What's that? Yes. Yes, Worcester. He, he's going to Worcester, and and he'll have oh, a great Worcester. crew okay. there. He'll have a great crew there. It's uh, it's a, it's an almost sold out shoot. I think they're one short of selling out. Um, you know, it's uh, I know the shoot boss quite what's well. What's the capacity there, Ed? Uh, I think it's twenty one, and they're at twenty right now. Well, that's good. Well, uh, just one more comment. I invited uh, not only my the grocery store fellow that I mentioned and uh, myself and then three other guys, uh, a father and two sons, and they said they registered. <laughs> so hopefully we'll have uh, five of us representing for Worcester. And uh, my thanks to you, Ed. I didn't know that you were an instructor and 20 apple seeds, holy Moses, that's quite the uh, commitment. Thank you very much. Uh, and thank you. It's um, there, there's only a small number of instructors that quite do the crazy stunts that I've done this year. So it's uh, yeah. I, I think Yellow House Jake, you know, has everybody beat, and he's he's going to win out this year. So it's uh, <laughs> kudos to Yellow House Jake in Indiana. Okay. Hey, listen. Uh, I want to thank you too, Dale, for doing your seventh stepping. Okay, that's one of the most important parts of the program because if at any point if the seventh stepping stops, then the program becomes a static program, and then it's just a social club for the people that are shooting it, and it can never mm-hmm. end up being that. Now you can go through events and stuff and have the same people showing up over and over and having a good time, but if at any point the seventh stepping, the recruitment stops then our mission fails because we're no longer uh, an outreach program that's trying to reach folks and trying to uh, push the mission forward. So the seventh stepping is is really the most important part of the work that we do. And recruiting instructors is going to be the most important way uh, to achieve that goal. But you don't have to be an instructor to push the mission forward. Just like uh, Dale is not an instructor right now, he said he's considering it, and that once he shoots a rifle from Dan's, he's going to ask for a hat, and uh, and that he's going to start doing his PCs and get a, a red hat and then a shoot boss hat within uh, six months. So that's really great, Dale. I appreciate you volunteering to do that. But Dale didn't even need to be uh, any 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 way instructor or anything else for him to accomplish one of the most important goals of the program, which is seven step, which is the outreach. Uh, you know, he took the time, and and by his own account, it wasn't a uh, rapid thing. He didn't 
walk up to the person and say, hey, apple seed. And the guy goes, yeah, I know. I heard about it. Going this weekend. Uh, you know, it took uh, it took a good bit of of talking, and I'm sure I'm sure there was some good natured, uh, uh, you know, bantering about it and stuff. And and but the end result is that the guy's going to show up there and he's going to start shooting. And you know what? I can guarantee you this right now that uh, that it is going to affect the rest of his life because almost every person that I run into who has been to an event and uh, and gone through it and been there at the end of the day on Sunday, almost every single person that I know of that has done that, it has affected uh, it has affected a change in their life. To what degree that is going to be dependent upon the person? But every single person, it has affected their life. And, uh, and a good many of people, it has changed their lives. And that is the most important thing that we do, and that is uh, helping to change people's lives. They get to meet uh, some of the best folks uh, this nation has to offer. They get to set themselves goals. They get to meet and exceed those goals. They get to set themselves new goals. And uh, and in a good many cases, they they have they've altered the, kind of the direction that their life was going in. And normally, it's in a good way. Uh, I don't think I've heard of of anybody so far went to an apple seed, climbed to the top of the UT Tower. Uh, so almost every case that I've heard about it has been in a good way. And and that's what we want to keep doing. And that's the most important part of what we're doing. And when I told you guys at the beginning of the show that uh, that that the that it's important for us to to think in the mode of it's the end of the world as we know it, not in the dreaded way uh, of comets and aliens and stuff like that, but in the good way of it's the end of the old world as I knew it and it's the beginning of the new world that I am creating because that's what we want folks to do. We want them to we want them to think in the in the mode of the when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to live in a new world that I created, and now of course I mean a realistic world. You know, I don't mean like a Walter Mitty thing. I mean like a realistic world where you're trying to have a you know positive effect on it. You know, not that you're seeing yourself as Tarzan or something like that, but that you're having that you're living in a new world that you're creating. <clears throat> you just want to have a positive effect on the world, and the way that you're going to do that is the same way that we get folks to achieve shooting for rifle and standards. And that's by setting themselves a goal and and then achieving and exceeding that goal. And the only way that you're going to meet uh, a goal is to set one. And then the only way to get to that goal is by taking it one step at a time. And that's that's what each and every one of us is going to have to do every single day is and and it's the same way that I talked to you about your dry fire game and about prepping, et cetera. All of this stuff doesn't have to be done in one day. Now, we I don't think we have a lot of time uh, to, to jack around, but it doesn't have to be done in one day. And I can tell you this, too, that even if you set yourself a goal, 
of making sure that you could survive through one day of a cessation of services situation, that if a day after that, if you had figured out how to survive one day through it, if a day after that there's a cessation of services, then you're a day ahead of your game, right? So every time, every every bit of time you put into this, you're going to get some payback for it, and that that covers everything you do. That covers your dry fire game. That covers, that covers the way you live your life. Uh, there's no way. And I tell folks too this about uh, about uh, surrendering. All right. I know that we're I know that we're switching fast gears between setting yourself a goal and meeting or exceeding it to to me talking about surrendering. All right. But it's it's it does connect in this way. And that is uh I I always tell folks that <clears throat> that there's no way that they can snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. There's no way that they can cause the tide of the battle to turn into their favor at the last second if they give up. If at any time you give up, that completely destroys your ability to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. So you can't give up. You can't you can't get frustrated. You 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 can't uh you can't burn yourself up. You have to remember that that saving the, the nation is a lot like running a marathon, right? Uh, you can't make a mad 100-yard dash, and then at the end of it you go, man, I'm tired, I'm burned up, and uh, now i got to go figure out something else to do. You've got to treat this thing like a marathon. You've got to train for it. You've got to you, – you, you, you can't run all out in the first, uh, the first mile, and then you've got nothing left, Right? Uh, you've got to treat it like a lifestyle, like a like a goal that you're going to achieve. All right, uh, I want to thank you guys for uh, for calling in, and I appreciate Dale. I appreciate what you're doing. Ed, best of uh, skill to you. I'm not going to say luck. If you've got skill, you don't need a lot of luck. All right, and uh, I want to tell you thanks for what you're doing. Stay on the path and. Uh, and uh, be sure and call in uh, after they give you, when you get your hat, because I'd like for everybody to know about it. And uh, uh, Scout, I, I, I earned my hat last weekend. It's uh, it's just a forum snafu at this point that it's not on the forum. I mean, oh, well, there, there, there was an announcement. Uh, congratulations, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. Well, good job. Listen, uh, that's English lady in my ear saying there's 30 seconds. So I want to tell all of you guys uh, who called in, thank you. I want to tell you guys who are listening tonight and helping out in the chat room, thanks. I want to especially thank uh, my co-host, Sam, uh, for being here every single time that I'm here. And sometimes he's there even when I'm not. All right. Thank you, everybody. God bless you all. We'll see you next Thursday at uh, 7 p.m. Central. Good night. God bless.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.